Good morning. Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Michael. I'm very happy to see you all here today on this beautiful spring day. Hopefully it doesn't snow, because um, why not? A um, couple of quick things before we get started with our worship time this morning. Um, do you have stuff you want to share? <laughs> okay, this Wednesday at 11.30... We're going to have lunch out at the Olive Garden by Ann Arbor. Uh, so it'll, if you can join us, we'd enjoy having you. And <clears throat> our play date went well. Miss Debbie, <laughs> we had, uh, I, I just call it goop, but she read a story, a Dr. Seuss story, and then the kids, she did a mixture. And did you guys have fun? With all the, you didn't like no. the green. Well, you had fun, didn't you, Dee? Because you had it all over. And you tasted it, because that's what you do. So, <laughs> and then um, our next play date's gonna be May 5th. And we have one more food gatherers distribution to do. Um, start saving your items. We are hoping to have a rummage sale in August. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we just need to maybe see if we can get some people to kind of uh, organize, decide if we want to really price them or just say, go for it, people, just give us your best offer. So we'll, we'll be looking forward to that in August. So that's what I got. Okay. And uh, if there's anyone who would like to kind of take the lead on helping to organize that rummage sale, please let me know. Um, I don't think it'll involve a great deal of work, but having one person as kind of the contact point uh, would very much help in keeping us organized and, uh, and on track with that. Um, do you want to mention anything? Nope, just a Bible study tomorrow. Bible study tomorrow, same time, same station. Um, anything else from the congregation before we get started? All right. Well, I'd ask you to please now turn your hearts and minds to a time of worship and praise, and I'm going to turn things over to our praise band who's going to get us started.
Bountiful are God's gifts to us. In gratitude, let us offer our hearts and the fruit of our labor to God's service.
If you would rise as you are able and join in our doxology number 95 in the Red Hymnal. Almighty God, by your grace, accept the fruit of our labor and the offering of our lives. Let us be a sacrifice of thanksgiving in union with our li risen Lord, who lives and reigns with you forever. Amen. You may be seated. It is now a time for all of God's children. I'd like to invite our children and youth to come hang out with me. And remember, you are all children of God, so you are all welcome to come and hang out. Right, how are you guys doing this morning? Okay, so last week I read you guys a story about two of Jesus' disciples who were going on a road to a town called Emmaus. Excuse me. Today I'm going to tell you another story that happened after Jesus resurrected. Now, one of Jesus' disciples, his name was Thomas. And he hadn't seen Jesus since Jesus has re had resurrected. And Thomas was having a really hard time believing because all the other people were saying they had seen Jesus, but he hadn't. So, so I want to know, is it hard to believe something sometimes? Yeah? Are, th are there things that maybe somebody tells you that you're, you're just not quite sure? Yeah. That's, that's normal. That's part of being people, I think. So I want to read you the story about Thomas. I'm going to show you the picture. We got the disciples, and there's Jesus, and this is Thomas, and they're all together. All right? So the disciples were hiding. They were afraid of getting in trouble like Jesus did. They huddled together in a room and made sure the door was locked. Jesus appeared in the middle of the room. Peace be with you, he said. The disciples were so happy to see Jesus. Jesus said, God sent me and I am sending you. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, I am giving you the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus disappeared. Now Thomas wasn't with the disciples when Jesus appeared. We've seen Jesus, said the other disciples. But Thomas didn't believe what the disciples told him. I doubt it. Jesus has died. I would only believe that you saw Jesus if I saw him with my own eyes, replied Thomas. Eight days later, the disciples, this time Thomas was with them, they were in their hiding place again. They had all the doors locked and were sitting in the room, trying to decide what to do next. All of a sudden, Jesus appeared. Peace be with you, said Jesus. Thomas, don't doubt. Believe. It's you, Jesus, exclaimed Thomas. Jesus said to Thomas, do you only believe because you have seen me? Have faith. Believe. 
So I wonder, what do you do when you, when you doubt something, when you're, when you're not really sure if, if it's real or if someone's telling you the truth? What, what do you try to do? It, if what do you do when when you're not sure about something like if somebody tells you something but you're not sure if you really believe them what what's something you could do to to help you figure out if if it's something you should believe or not so like if somebody told me that they like would like give me like jordans or something then i would like no that's no you're wrong okay Gotcha. So you would use maybe your, how well you know the person to help you figure out if they were telling you the truth. Okay. All right. Can we do a repeat after me prayer? All right. Dear God, thank you for helping us to believe in you. Amen. All right, now we're going to do the Lord's Prayer. You guys ready? All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Awesome, guys. Thank you for coming up to join me. You can have a sucker if you want, and then it's off to Sunday school. Nope, not yet. Okay. I'd like to invite the rest of you to rise as you are able. Join in singing our next hymn number 92 in the red hymnal. For the beauty of the earth, we will be doing verses 1 through 4.
may be seated. Now is the time that we bring before God and God's people the things that weigh upon our hearts and our minds as well as those that give us cause for celebration. Do we have any joys or concerns we'd like to lift up this morning? Um, Jean had her care conference on Tuesday. She is doing as well as can be expected. Um, she's going to be staying there a little longer than I think what she had anticipated because she still can't sit up. Um, and she, she told Dan yesterday, she goes, I wish somebody would have told me five years ago to stop moving around so much. <laughs> and we all know Jean, and we probably did tell her five years ago to stop moving around so much. Did she listen? No. So but um, she's in pretty good spirits, so that's good. I think it's great to have Dorothy Newman with us here again today. Good to see you again. All right, if you would turn to hymn number 177 in the hymnal, for our invitation to prayer, he is Lord. join me in an attitude of prayer. When you hear me say the words, God of resurrection, I invite you to reply with the words, hear our prayer. Let us unite our hearts in prayer, saying, God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For the church throughout the world, that as we celebrate the great 50 days of Easter, we may renew our faith and strengthen our witness in Jesus' name. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For pastors, teachers, and ministers, that they recognize the risen Christ in word and sacrament and lead your church with wisdom, humility, and courage. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For the governments of the world and its leaders, that they may resist the corruption of sin and serve the common good. God of resurrection, Hear our prayer. For our planet Earth, that all people may be good stewards of its resources and share in its abundance. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For the poor and the stranger, that they may receive a place of refuge and hope, and that the church may offer the hospitality the first disciple offered to Jesus on the road to Emmaus. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For the sick and those in distress, that they may find healing for their pain and be restored to fullness of life, we especially lift up Jean as she continues to heal but has a long road still ahead. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. 
for our neighbors, that we may live together in peace and share in our resources. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For our enemies, that they may receive good things, and that we, your servants, not return evil for evil. God of resurrection, hear our prayer. Almighty God, receive these prayers we offer, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, make us witness to the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, through whom we pray. Amen. Please join me now aloud in our prayer for illumination. Lord, you opened the meaning of the scriptures to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and set their hearts ablaze. By the power of your spirit, kindle our hearts as we hear your word proclaimed that we may receive you with joy. Amen. Our first scripture reading today is from Psalm 116 and verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 19. In your pew Bible, is found on page 605. I love the Lord, for he hears my voice. He hears my crying for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangle me. The anguish of the grave come over me. I was on him as I live. The, oh, excuse me. I was overcome by disaster and sorrows. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. When shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fill, fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his peoples. Precious is the sight of the Lord, is the death of his faithful servant. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thankful offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you're able, please stand as we sing the Lord of the Dance.
may be seated. Our second scripture reading this morning can be found beginning on page 1047 in the Bibles in the pews. We are in the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel, reading verses 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Calopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did the Messiah have to, did, sorry, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned to Jerusalem at once. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would join me once again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, you are ever present throughout all time and space, even when we do not realize your presence among us. Sometimes we get stuck on the challenges of life, and you patiently continue alongside us, guiding us towards growing and understanding through the Holy Spirit's power. We too often worry about things that may be out of our control, or things that in the very end of all of this will not matter as deeply as we might assume or first perceive. But you continue to remind us that death has not and can never take away our Jesus our Lord, our teacher, our friend, our sibling. And when we come back to that realization, we celebrate with a joy found only in new life. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
good morning to you all, both those joining us here in worship in person and those who are joining us today virtually. I want to thank you for joining us and participating in our worship service. Each and every single one of you is a blessing in this world, a cherished sibling with Christ Jesus, and a beloved child of our grace-bestowing God who continues to love us unconditionally and always. This morning, we are continuing in our current sermon series during the great 50 days of Easter, the seven weeks between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. Throughout this series, we, we've been looking at some of the stories of the early church that can hopefully help teach us about some of the fundamentals of faith. During these seven weeks, the scripture selections from the Revised Common Lectionary that we will be using include Many stories we would expect, like the story from last week about the disciple Thomas, but they'll also include some stories that we may tend to overlook or not pay as much attention to otherwise, including when Paul preaches in the Areopagus, an outdoor space located in the northwest of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece, where the rulers of Athens would hold trials and engage in debate and discuss other important matters. Now, as I mentioned last week, some stories actually take place chronologically after Pentecost, but they are arranged in this order as the season of Easter builds towards the events we will be celebrating on Pentecost Sunday at the end of May. And one of the questions that we're going to be working through as we go is what commitments are foundational to our Christian identity? As Christians, we believe in what we cannot see, and we experience the resurrected Christ. As Christians, we learn to share in community. We ask questions as we grow in faith. We, we draw connections for those with other beliefs. We draw strength from shared prayer, and we have come to value all people as part of the body of Christ. Now this morning we're directing our attention and focus on the story that I read to you from Luke's gospel about the experience on the road to Emmaus in our message titled Recognizing Jesus. Years back after Hurricane Katrina, there were many, many people traveling to that area from all around the country and, and really even all around the globe to offer their help and support to those affected by the mass flooding and storms that that region experienced. Some people went to, to help do cleanup work. Some people went to begin to rebuild structures, including homes and churches and other buildings that had been destroyed. And then some people made the trip to offer really whatever support they could in a myriad of different ways. There were even some pastors from various denominations who went on, on what we might call a mission of pastoral relief, where they filled in for some of the pastors whose homes had been devastated by the raging waters. In some cases, the visiting pastors filled in for pastors of their same denomination, but there were instances where a pastor from one denomination filled in for a pastor from another. And these pastors filled in the pulpits for a few Sundays to try and give the local pastors some much-needed time off so they could begin working on plans for rebuilding their homes 
maybe their churches and their communities. It was truly a beautiful act of support, of supporting colleagues in crisis and, and helping to support their congregations during this, this catastrophe that affected so many people. Now, I read some of the stories that these pastors shared afterwards, both those who went to help and those who were receiving the support and help. In one such story, a United Church of Christ pastor was filling in for a Methodist pastor. On the second Sunday, the UCC pastor was there. The church was going to celebrate Holy Communion. Now, now this particular UCC pastor was, was well prepared and really thought through the situation as, as she related in her story how she had asked a lot of questions in advance about the liturgy and logistics that the congregation would expect in celebrating communion. Now, for the most part, the differences in phrasing and practice were small, but she knew that it mattered to that congregation for her to get them right in the midst of this traumatized community. She understood that it was her role to to help keep things going for them the best that she could, to help provide some stability and something familiar in this moment of, of chaos. Now, she did admit in her sharing her story how she had worried at first about being coordinated enough to hold the plates and tear the bread, hand it to each person as their pastor normally had done, all the while remembering to say precisely the familiar words, the body of Christ broken for you. As I read this, I remember thinking to myself how sweet it was for her to care enough to be thinking that deeply about, about everything, to be worrying about using the exact words. When the first person in line came up to her that morning to receive the elements, she tore the bread, and as she described it, she experienced a moment of intense surprise, as if the bread itself were saying to her, look, see, I am here. How beautiful is this story where a pastor from one denomination came to fill in and support the pastor of another denomination and cared enough about the congregation and the faith community to worry about these things and then herself have the spirit-filled moment while celebrating this holy sacrament. Now, when we look back at our reading from Luke and the journey along the Emmaus Road, we find a, a rather peculiar situation unfolding. The two disciples who were traveling that road on their way to the town of Emmaus on that first Easter, they knew Jesus by sight. They had spent time with him, probably even sat next to him or very near him during meals and worship and when he was teaching. Jesus was not a stranger to these two disciples. There are even some scholars who now believe that these two disciples may have actually been a married couple. And part of this thought process revolves around the fact that Calopas, spelled C-L-E-O-P-A-S, is a name so close to another gospel character's that we may wonder if the unnamed person was the wife of Calopas, spelled C-L-O-P-A-S. 
So the same thing minus the E. Whom John's gospel in chapter 19, verse 25, places right at the foot of the cross. But again, either way, these two people knew Jesus. And yet in those moments along the road, when they, and when they first sit down with a meal together, they could not see that he was right there with him. They didn't recognize his face or his voice or, or even his turns of phrase, his mannerisms. And then once they reach their destination, they invite him to stay, to come in for a meal. They actually implore Jesus to stay with them as when they first arrived in Emmaus, Jesus makes it as if he's going to continue walking along down the road away from the town. But as the story tells us, it was getting dark, and these two disciples knew that the road would become dangerous as light slept away. So they asked him to stay with them, to, to stay at least until daylight, so that he might remain safe. And they invite him to join them for supper. See, those first disciples were Methodist after all. They used food, a meal, to be in community with someone. They may not have served casserole, but you can't tell me this doesn't sound like one of our own events or gatherings. Just saying. So they sit down for supper, and look, see, their eyes are opened, and they recognized him. They recognized him in the breaking of the bread, the first time that people who knew Jesus made the connection to him through the bread that represented his body. They would go on to recognize him, to perceive his presence each time the bread was broken. Do you see some of the parallels from the story with the UCC pastor? Look, see, she tore those pieces of bread in a, at a Methodist church far away from her home, and Christ's presence became apparent and took away all of her worries about getting communion right that day. Sometimes it seems we, we need to experience something anew to remember what we were doing in the first place. As this pastor wrote in her story, a whole loaf feeds no one. Bread is meant to be broken and shared. Just like Mr. and Mrs. Kalapis, we, we too sometimes like to tell the story of, of how disappointing the world is, how things are just not fair or did not turn out the way we had planned. When they begin talking to Jesus, still unaware of who he was, they were still processing the events of the past few days and the death and apparent resurrection of their teacher. And on that road, Jesus patiently explains it all to them. He explained his place in history and all the teachings that seemed so confusing at the time. We're told in Scripture he goes all the way back to Moses and the early beginning of the people's connection with God, tying everything together for them. And when they talked about it later on, they realized that their hearts were burning all along. See, their hearts were strangely warmed. Told you, they were Methodists. Sorry, it's the last time, I promise. 
But look, see, the good news is this. Death could not take away our Jesus, and resurrection brought us Christ, who is with us in every time and in every place. Amen. I invite you to rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 307, Christ is Risen. Beloved children of God and siblings of the resurrected Lord, go in the joy of resurrection. Purify your souls. Be obedient to the truth. Be genuine in love through the living and enduring word of God. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, the love of God who raised him from the dead, and the power of the Holy Spirit who fills the world with new life, bless and keep you. Alleluia. Amen.